we are slowly making our way through this this uh, introduction to the Holy Spirit. Um, we've made some good progress, had some really good discussions thus far. I really appreciate all your input. Um, we're moving on down to number nine here, where one of the unique works of the Holy Spirit is that he changes us. And before we start talking about this and diving into this a little bit through these um, few uh, scripture passages that are before you. Um, let us pray and seek the Lord's guidance and submit ourselves to his word before we start reading about it. Lord, I, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are good and that you want us to know you. And you have given us your spirit so that we could know you. For he knows your will. He knows your ways. He has transmitted those ways to us as you would have him do so. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would submit ourselves to that word, no matter what it is that that word means that we need to live according to, the changes we need to make, the things we need to believe, whether we understand them or like them. Lord, if it is true, if it is written to us from the Holy Spirit, as he transmits the will of God, Lord, may we submit to it, for we have nothing else that we can do. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So he changes us. The Holy Spirit changes us. Now that's a pretty simple statement, isn't it? But our, as you have grown in the Spirit, has the process of changing according to the Spirit been simple? <laughs> it's a lifelong journey, isn't it? Galatians chapter 5 Starting in verse 16 is where we'll start there. I'll read these several verses here. Galatians 5, 16. He begins, Paul begins, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right there we already see if the Spirit is part of your life, there is going to be some things that are excluded from your life. So even in that first verse, we see that the Spirit is a catalyst for change. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now I'm just going to open this up. As we were reading that 
decently extended passage. Was there anything that stuck out to you as far as our relationship with the Spirit, His relationship with us, how that, manif- how that relationship manifests itself in our life? Is there something that stuck out to you? Or a question as you were going through here? Anything that the stuck? Works Go ahead. Of flesh are a miserable lot, and the works of the spirit are good and wonderful. Mm-hmm. So that stands out. Yeah. And we got to deal with those. Right. And the Lord has to deal with us. Yeah. Amen. Certainly. And that's kind of how he, that's the argument that he uses to introduce <laughs> this relationship. You cannot say that you're walking in accordance with the Spirit when you're doing the things that the Spirit hates. It's just, I mean, if you're just even talking about logic, it's just illogical. If I have a, if I'm going to say I have a really good relationship with my wife and we love each other deeply and dearly, and then also say, well, I also have this, you know, affair on the side, and it's okay. <laughs> No, the, the, the two are mutually exclusive. You can't be in the middle of an affair and be in a good relationship with your wife, lovingly, deeply. Just like if we're um, walking in step with the Spirit, we're not going to be doing the things that the Spirit hates. They're mutually exclusive. And that's the introduction to this passage. And I mean, what was Christ's life really defined by? Was it by the, con- the consistent pleasing of self or the consistent emptying of self? Not to say that, I mean, we talked about on Sunday um, that he went about eating and drinking. He feasted. There was much rejoicing to be had with the disciples because the bridegroom was there. But was his purpose to come and please himself? Is that why Jesus became a man? So that he could just get a taste of all the the goodness that the fleshly life had to offer. Is that why he became a man? (laughs) No. (laughs) He became a man so that he could empty himself. I mean, that's something that you could see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. You know, Jesus emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. That's the very beginning. He became in the likeness of men, emptying himself from the very beginning, and continued to empty himself all the way through his life. And then he was highly exalted after he was crucified and ascended up to heaven. And in a similar way, we are to follow in the footsteps of Christ. He begins that passage by saying, Have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who? And then he goes on to describe his self-emptying. So, and this is something that we always have to kind of be on guard about, because... What kind of a culture do we live in? 
in our day and age and in our, in our area. Not everybody lives in a culture like we do, but what kind of a culture do we live in as far as this, this conversation is concerned? Self. Self-satisfying. Self Everything's about self-satisfaction. Getting more. Pleasing yourself. And, you know, a lot of stuff isn't even wrong. Like, you know, it's just sometimes I look back on the week and I'm like, man, we really ate out a lot this week. <laughs> or, man, I had a lot of sweets this week. You know, constant the constant pursuit of self-gratification. And we have to be on guard against that because not everything we do is wrong. He gives us a list of things that are clearly sinful in Galatians chapter 5, but sometimes the pursuit of self-gratification includes things that aren't overtly sinful. Like grabbing a cheeseburger is not overtly sinful. Getting an ice cream cone <laughs> is not overtly sinful. Just change the subject out of eating supper, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right? <laughs> and that's not to say that to gratify yourself is necessarily sinful, but... And I think that this kind of is a segue back into what he's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. Can you be saved and do some of these things that he says are wrong that the Spirit hates in Galatians chapter 5? Like, for instance, um, can somebody, you know, if somebody commits an act of sexual immorality, does that all, all of a sudden mean that person's not saved because they sinned in that regard once? Does that mean, oh, you're not saved? Or if they had a fit of anger, you know, somebody just flips out in a fit of anger, oh, I can judge them as being condemned to hell because they, had, they blew up. Is that what that's talking about? Why not? Well, because of the, it's the flesh being in control, and you have to flip. That does, and, and it says in 24 that they that are Christ have crucified, Christ crucified the flesh with affections and lust. So it is an act of something that we're actually pursuing and doing. Mm -hmm. But are we perfect? Right. Are we going to sin? Right. Have you? And, yeah, go ahead. Have you ever been thrown from a horse, Judy? Yep. Is that a daily occurrence? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you get thrown from a horse. Even if you are a professional horseback rider, most of the time you're in control of that horse and it works out okay. But sometimes you get thrown. Does that mean that you're not a professional horseback rider? Yeah, Kristen? And if you look at verse 7, let somebody read verse 7. Galatians 5, verse 7. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not 
Okay, so he's, he's rebuking the Galatians here for a second. You were doing so well. <laughs> you were running the grace so well. How did you fall off track? Okay, so they fell off track. Does that mean that they were no longer saved? Or that they were never saved? They were never really a true church? No, not necessarily. And that's why Paul is exhorting them. Get back on track. Get back. So I just want to say, I want to mention these things not to minimize our um, responsibility to follow the Spirit, but I do want to say that we do not have the right to judge a person as being unsaved simply because they slipped up. We all slip up. We cannot be proud in thinking that we will never or have never slipped up, but yeah, we're okay, spiritually speaking. But them, they're not okay. <laughs> we have to guard against judgmentalism. But then we also need to see a couple things here. Um, in this, pa in this passage. So he's contrasting the works of the flesh with the works of the spirit. Now I want to bring out this contrast because I think that a lot of Christians, or so-called Christians, are kind of riding the fence a bit. We're not doing all these orgies, idolatry, sorcery. We're not involved in those things. But can, we, can some of us really say that we actually have been manifesting the fruits of the Spirit. Also, love, joy, peace. Just look at those ones. How well do we love? How joyful are we really? How, when was the last time you were truly joyful and that there was a smile on your face that really came from the Spirit that was inside of you and not just because the situation kind of called for a smile? <laughs> so we kind of worked one up. Peace. How many of us are really at peace, spiritually speaking? Now, I'm, I know our lives can be tumultuous, but how many, when was the last time you really understood that peace that passes understanding? You shouldn't be okay, but you are okay because you're walking in the Spirit and you're manifesting the fruits of the Spirit. And then it keep, just keeps going on. Kindness. Or, sorry, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things, how are we manifesting these things according to the Spirit? Some of us, we may not be involved in a lot of these things up top of the manifestations of the flesh, but are we really manifesting the Spirit contrastly? Or are we just kind of riding the fence where we're not really either? We're just kind of there. <laughs> not really walking in the Spirit. Not really doing all of these manifestations of the flesh that are listed in this verse, in this passage. We're just kind of in the middle. And we're kind of stuck. We've never really had any of these things. If we don't, God is going to do something to us. He's got chasing and he's got trials. Mm -hmm. And he's got both. Right. And a lot of this stuff, like the chastening, the trials, and a lot of that comes through interpersonal relationships. How are you supposed to love the hard people unless God puts hard people into your life? <laughs> you know? He puts those people there so you can learn how to walk in the Spirit in the hard times. 
How can you know the peace that passes understanding that comes only from the Holy Spirit unless you're put into a tumultuous situation so that you can seek the Lord and know his peace? Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? And I, I was just reading this, and we're, on, we're only going to get through one passage today, it looks like. But I was just reading Philemon this week. Um, <laughs> and Philemon is actually an amazing display. Like, sometimes we wonder, why in the world is that book in the Bible? But Philemon is actually a, a display. It doesn't talk about the Spirit, but it's a display of the Spirit in working in a person's life, or how a per- the Spirit should work in a person's life in a number of different ways. What, Judy, did you have something to say? But, uh, yeah, I was there also. Yeah, I didn't even mind. <laughs> it's okay. It's like, what is this? Look here, it's just one. I got two And I'm trying to find here, because I wasn't planning on talking about this, but since... Oh, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Let's... So it wasn't talking about the Spirit? He's not, he doesn't mention the Spirit, but... But you see it. His, yeah, you see how a person is supposed to respond to this situation in the Spirit. He's basically exhorting this person to actually respond according to the Spirit, um, practically speaking. I'm just trying to find the verse... Uh, da, 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 da. Verse 7. Verse seven. No. Okay, so verse 15. So the context of Philemon, the basic background is this servant Onesimus has fled from Philemon. He has gotten saved under Paul, the preaching of Paul. And now Philemon is a person... Um, who is a Christian. He's a leader of a house church, which is how most of that was done back then. Uh, He's been very, very helpful to Paul in the past. Um, And Onesimus, his servant, has escaped. He's run away, but he's gotten saved under Paul. Now Paul finds out he's supposed to go back to Philemon. Um, But he says in verse 15, for perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. Talking about how, you know, there must, God's hand must be upon his leaving from you, his running away from you. Because otherwise, he would not have come and gotten saved, and I would not have been able to send back a brother into your service who can be far more value to you and your household as you try to seek the Lord with your household. Now, when Onesimus left Philemon, it probably caused a lot of problems. He had a job to do, and now there's nobody to do that job. And that was a big deal back that day for slaves to leave their masters. That was a huge deal. You could be killed for that as a servant. Um, and he's saying, perhaps this is why he parted from you for a while. You know, basically you're seeing the work of the Spirit behind all of this so that you might receive him back forever. You know, so that reminds me of the verse that says, all things work for good for those who love God, love God and are called according to his purpose. Right? So we see the Spirit's, you know, we can talk more about the Spirit's handiwork and Paul's conversation with Philemon for a long time because there's a lot there as far as how a person could manifest the flesh, how a person could manifest the spirit, we could go on, but we're not going to. Um, but that just goes to show that like tribulations come 
so that we can walk in the Spirit with Him and learn to be more like Christ, learn to, be, to manifest the Spirit rather than to manifest the flesh. Because our normal, our normal reaction in these times of tribulation are get angry, get upset, get anxious, lash out, have a fit of anger. <laughs> Go ahead, Kristen. And I'm glad you brought up that verse because it is. You have to ask yourself the question. How has my, I don't want to use the word utility. It sounds very boring. And <laughs> but how has my utility for God been enhanced because I have Christ, because I have the Spirit? You know, like Kristen pointed out, he's of, Onesimus was of more value because of his conversion. How is your belief in Christ, your filling of the Spirit, added value to you to this as you try to go out and serve God in this world? Do you see yourself as valuable in the spirit? Maybe that's where you need to start. Like the Bible actually does say that I'm of value because the spirit is in me. Because I am Christ's. And we need to stop putting ourselves down and putting each other down because if we are of great value to each other as the body of Christ. So we are not pointless. Our life is not pointless. We are of value. And maybe we need to go and talk to Hazel about this Philemon book because she struggles with that. She's told us all. It's not like I'm gossiping because we all know that she struggles feeling like she has any value here on this earth. Why am I still here, she says. Maybe we need to go and have one of these one-on-one -on -one Bible readings with Hazel and just walk through Philemon and just see, hey, each one of us has, even this slave had value to Philemon because he had Jesus. He was of greater value than he was without Jesus. And each one of us has value because we have the Spirit within us, empowering us, changing us. They have like some sort of similar version of it because, you know, we, we all have, know a good neighbor or two <laughs> who's just a good person to us. They've always been helpful. But it is different when we have the Spirit. And it's, we could talk about that more. But you can just look at the fruits of the Spirit list. Do I have these things? Then if not, then we need to pray for these things because these are manifestations of the Spirit if, you, if we're walking in step with Him. We need to have these at least in some degree we're all going to be growing at different levels with a lot of these things. A lot of us struggle more with patience. A lot of us struggle more with faithfulness. 
A lot of us struggle with gentleness. A lot of us struggle more with self-control. A lot of us have different weaknesses and strengths here. But God is growing us in all of these regards. Because we have the Spirit, we must be growing in these things. It must be there if we are actually walking in the Spirit. Let's just read. These, are, these last two verses here are just one verse each. Romans 8.5, if somebody could read that. We won't spend too much time on these, but at least look at them. Romans 8.5, if somebody could read that, please. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Okay, so we will walk in step with the one whom we have our mind upon. First mm-hmm. John 3.9. Somebody could read that. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. Therefore, he sins because he is born of God. Okay, so God's seed abides within him. That's a big, you know, the, the theology of the seed is kind of far reaching in scriptures. But in short, if you have the Spirit within you, if you've been born into the family of God, you have the seed or the Spirit of God within you, and you cannot make walking in sin your way of life. Because it's just, you cannot continue to have a lifestyle of things that God hates. It just cannot happen if you're truly born of God and you're walking in the Spirit. It's just mutually exclusive as we began the night talking about. The things of God and the things of the flesh cannot exist together. Light dispels the darkness. That's just the way it is. If there's light in a room, the darkness is gone. You can't have both darkness and light maintaining the same place. It's just impossible. It's the same with the spirit and the things of the flesh. If the spirit is there, you're walking in the spirit, the things of darkness go away. The things of the flesh begin to fade away. You know, and Jesus is called the the dawning or the morning star, the dawning one who's rising above, you know, dispelling, starting to dispel all the darkness <laughs> at the very beginning. There's still some dimness, but at some point he's high up in the sky and nothing is dark. Nothing is dark anymore. And that's kind of a symbol of kind of a, how we grow. You know, at the beginning, things, things are still a little bit rough. But as we continue to walk in the Spirit, more and more of that flesh gets dispelled and replaced with light. That's just the way it goes in general. Like I said, we can talk about this and the relative comforts of our pews here, but it's really hard when actually God is doing the work in our lives. It's filled with pain. It's filled with struggles. It's filled with loss, heartbreak. Uh, and those are some of the things that cause us to know God in a way that nothing else could help us know God in his ways and to actually become like God. It's not just about knowing who God is, but actually becoming like Him. And these experiential things actually help us to put into practice the fruits and the manifestations of the Spirit and become like Christ as much as we can on this earth. Anything else somebody would like to mention? There's Paul there in uh, Ephesians 2.1 and he said to walk according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air mm-hmm. uh, put a sharp comparison between what we were and 
yeah. yeah. You can't be doing that and be a born-again Christian. Right. God's love changed that. Right. He goes on to say. Right. Because when you think about it, if the were and the are are the same, look the same, then there's been no change, right? How can you say that the that you have you're abiding in Christ now? That's a huge change. How can you say you have the Spirit now, which is a huge change, if the were and the are are the same still? Such were some of you, but now you are something different because there's been a huge change. You have the Spirit, and He's dispelling the darkness. You gonna say something? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just back to Philemon, and it's kind of off the spirit, but yet in the spirit, it's just a wonderful um, example here. Just at verse twenty-two that Paul has towards this to uh, Philemon and his knowing him and believing in him, that the power of his prayer, he went ahead and told him. He said, "But wherewithal prepare me also lodging, for I trust that through your prayers." I shall be given unto you. And it's like the power of prayer, number one, mm-hmm. and the faith believing yeah. in the people that he was, in the person, well, the church that he was talking to, that he truly believed that their power, their prayers were powerful enough to help him get another Christian. Right. Which is where he was. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And that, that through your prayers, I shall be given unto you. Yeah. And it's like, I, I was just so, I mean, it's just so full right there. Anything else, real quick, before we move on to prayer requests? Speaking of prayer. 